The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Krolis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hi, y'all. I made it home from Houston, Texas last Friday morning at about 2 a.m. in the morning, which was much better than the Sunday evening return that American Airlines had hoped that I would have. I, I got on one of the only few flights that took off in the immediate aftermath of what was Hurricane Harvey. So all is good and well, and uh, it was definitely a fascinating experience. But I want to thank everybody for all of their support throughout this experience. I was really glad that I have this outlet to share what I went through, as many people have been curious what it was like to live through one of the worst natural disasters in American history. Apparently, a lot of people were quite interested because last week's episode was even featured in an article about Hurricane Harvey with other artists from Houston, including Harper Waters from Houston Ballet, and a little bit about what was going on with me down at Uptown Dance Company and what other arts organizations are doing. Uh, but we were featured on Dance.com, which is uh, Capizio's media website. So it was exciting to see that people were interested in what we were doing and what was happening and about all the relief efforts. People have clearly been curious about what happened down there. And if sharing my story can help bring more people interest in possibly donating or uh, helping people out that lost parts of their homes, all of their homes, at dance studios, lost their Marley floors, things like that, I hope that I am able to share a story that inspires people to give. So uh, I know a lot of people have been donating to the Red Cross, but there are many organizations that could use your help. So be sure to go online and find them if you have the means and help those people out. All right, I'm officially back on the East Coast, and I have officially begun the application process for an apartment in Queens, New York City. So keep your fingers crossed for me that we get that. <laughs> I've spent so much time working on this next chapter of my career and my husband and my living, and I'm so elated to finally see the fruits of my labor come come to fruition. Fruits of labor to fruition. See how that worked out? Um, but this move will make my life so much easier. And uh, I mean, it's been two years that I've been commuting from Philadelphia to New York. So I'm really looking forward to actually getting a little bit of time to myself because I feel like I haven't really had any personal time to, uh, I don't know, do things for, for myself aside from taking class and going to the gym. Um, I'm actually looking forward to possibly looking for flute lessons and to walk around parts of the city and get to explore more and also have a day off here and there with my husband so we can spend time together. But while I'm looking forward to the free time that I'll have, <laughs> since I won't be on a bus uh, six to eight hours a day, um, I do have a lot coming up in the new school year. So I'm actually taking on a few new schools. I will be teaching at 
Stage Light Academy of Performing Arts in New Jersey on Mondays. I'll be teaching their competition team's uh, contemporary dance. And then on Tuesdays, I will continue as the head of the contemporary dance department at Greenwich Ballet Academy in Port Chester, New York, and Greenwich, Connecticut. And then on Saturdays, I will begin teaching ballet classes for the Ballet School of Stamford up in Stamford, Connecticut, which I'm also greatly looking forward to. Beyond that, I will continue to, te to teach classes at Steps on Broadway and Broadway Dance Center. I don't currently have any classes scheduled for Steps on Broadway, but at Broadway Dance Center, I will be teaching now beginner ballet classes throughout September at 10.30 a.m. on Tuesdays. I'll be continuing my advanced beginner ballet classes at 6 p.m. on Fridays. And then on Sundays, I'm actually doing an eight-week absolute beginner ballet workshop for anybody over the age of 13. So if you're in the New York area and you are curious about ballet, you love dance, but you've never taken dance, uh, starting, I believe it's on Sunday the 17th, um, but whatever the Sunday date is surrounding that, um, I will be doing an eight-week workshop. So it'll be the same group of people for all eight weeks, and I will teach you how to do ballet from the real, real far, far back beginning. All right, so if you want to learn some ballet technique and you want to learn the basics, you uh, can go to broadwaydancecenter.com and you can sign up there or you can call them up. All right, so now that we've gotten all of that fun out of the way, um, I've been trying to figure about what I want to talk about today. And what I realized is I actually haven't really talked directly about injury on Pod Chat Talking Dance, which is kind of crazy to me because I think I am up to, let's see, I have 77 episodes here and I haven't really discussed injury directly. Now, I have talked about injuries throughout other topics, but it hasn't been like the main topic. So today, I thought that I would, I would rehash, I'm going to dictate, which I do every once in a while, I keep on trying to change this format up for you so that you get different ways of uh, gaining information. So I'm actually going to dictate a blog from my my Life of a Freelance Dancer blog um, about injuries. And so this is from June third of 2014 and this was right around the time that I had returned home from uh, essentially having my career ending injury that it was really the last time that I performed for any any major company across the country so I figured that I would dictate this for you some of it it's going to be in in my own voice because it's my own words and uh, some of it is going to be a bit dated but I think that it's really relevant and I know that not all of you always go back and forth between my podcasts and then my, my blog so I figured maybe I'd give you a little bit of my blog on here um, I have been on hiatus from writing on this blog since the beginning of the summer but I'm hoping once I move that uh, I will continue blogging in some way. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'll definitely post something on there. I'll definitely say something on here with what I decided to do with my blogging ventures. So uh, hopefully this though will give you a, an idea of how and what I write about. And you can check out, I have almost 200 different blog posts on there. So you can uh, actually have, I have an archive list on some of the posts. So you can just look for that and you can look at the different topics I've written about throughout the five years that I've wrote on this blog. So, okay, this is the blog from June 3rd, 2014, and it was titled Injuries, How to Handle Injury and Preventable Factors. 
I feel it is time that we have an open, honest conversation about injury. One of the worst things you can do in this dance world is to speak publicly about a current injury. A dancer doesn't want to be thought of as weak, a liability, a repeat offender, or anything else. Even worse, a dancer doesn't want an employer to turn to them years after their last injury and say, I read that you've had this injury before and you lied about your health when you arrived. But I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to proclaim in public that I am injured. I feel that it is important that dancers stop hiding issues like this and speak out about our experiences. Every professional dancer will face injury at some point, and while many will share their comeback stories after they're fully recovered, few will share about it as they are going through it. Yes, I have been lucky enough to spend the last two and a half years healthy, albeit minor aches and pains. But today, and for the last month, I am suffering from an injury that kept me from performing at my last gig, and has forced me to take the last month completely off from most physical activity. And a little sidebar here from the blog, I ended up having two bulging discs in my lower and mid-back. Where does one start with a topic like this? Usually the first question is, how did you get injured? Again, another taboo topic, but I'm going to be as honest as possible here. While there are times that a dancer may become injured due to some freak occurrence, one can usually look to a variety of components that contributed to their injury. I have a pretty clear idea of what caused me to suffer a lumbar slash lower back sprain. There are what I consider to be four factors that, when neglected, often lead to a dancer's body breaking down. Rehearsal slash performance conditions, rehearsal procedures, physical maintenance, and rest periods. When I became injured back in the beginning of May, I felt that three of these factors had absolutely contributed to me needing to pull myself out of a performance series. When it came to rehearsal conditions, we rehearsed for weeks on end in a studio that was not sprung and without proper heating. Throughout the rehearsal period, we were also asked to perform on concrete at multiple venues indoors and outside, often without any spacing rehearsals. Our rehearsal procedures were also uncommon throughout much of the process. While we had six weeks to prepare for our performances, we learned a majority of our choreography at breakneck speeds. Another side note, I spoke recently about proper rehearsal processes. So if you're curious what you, about what are very appropriate ways to rehearse either your students or your company, please go back and check on that. How many sidebars are, am I going to have throughout this? I don't know. I'm going to get back to the blog, though. After urgently learning the material, we immediately began running the complete works full out. A very important part of the rehearsal process was lost. The actual rehearsing, digesting material, and building of stamina. As for rest periods, our typical two-day weekends during rehearsal weeks were often taken away by outreach and event performances. Lastly, housing wasn't provided for out-of-town dancers. I definitely learned my lesson here, as a host that I found through a home exchange website stopped responding to my messages after I had already arrived. This left me to move five times over five weeks, sleeping on couches and a child's loft bed for an entire month. While I made sure that I had enough sleep, my body and mind couldn't ever fully rest. Not having a proper place to sleep surely had a great impact on my spinal health. It seems that the only factor that was positively met during my stint was in my physical maintenance. I found a great chiropractor who not only was a skilled practitioner, but cared more about my ability to practice my art than charging me a rate I couldn't afford. If you look at all of these items, you can see that it came as no surprise that I left this gig in so much pain that it prevented me from performing. 
In a full-time company without freelancers, there is a common procedure that most dancers follow when it comes to an injury. Initially, most dancers aren't sure if their injury will improve enough to perform. Unless they experience a fracture or major sprain, there is always the possibility that the dancer can dance through or around their pain. It isn't uncommon for a dancer to mention to artistic staff that they have an injury and need to rest for a few days or take it easy in rehearsal. This period is an assessment for the dancer to determine if treatment and or rest is improving their condition, or if it is going to take a longer period of time to get better. Once a dancer determines that they are unable to dance, the director will usually find a replacement for the dancer and allow the injured dancer to take the necessary time to rehab and get better. From here, a dancer will usually open a worker's compensation claim, which is their legal right as an employee of the organization. Generally, workers' comp will provide the necessary treatment from doctors to x-rays, MRIs, therapy, surgery, etc. for a dancer to get back on point. Beyond taking care of treatment, workers' compensation will often pay a portion of an injured dancer's salary so that they can sustain themselves during the recovery process. The initial stage of dealing with an injury as an independent contractor looks very much like that of a fully contracted dancer. When I woke up one morning barely able to walk, I sent the director an email giving him a heads up about my condition. Following the email, I hobbled on into the studio to have a conversation and come up with a plan. Prior to entering the studio, I had already come up with my own ideas of how to resolve my potential absence. If you enter a tricky conversation with a plan, it can likely alleviate some of the stress that an injury can throw on an organization. Most freelancing jobs that I have worked have used 10 or less dancers. One dancer going out can cause a lot of stress and panic when there is nobody to cover for that person. My plan took into account that we had a week and a half before the performances. If I acted immediately on my pain and took myself out of the show, I may have put undue stress on the company had my back calmed down quickly. I told the director that I was going to get as much treatment as possible and would give them an answer by the beginning of our performance week, if not earlier. We then agreed that I would teach other dancers significant parts of choreography, or as much as I could teach in my state. Uh, and I also mentioned that I had some strong medication to help with my inflammation and that I would take it to give myself the best chance of a quick recovery. I always asked my doctor for a prescription when I traveled for work in the event of an emergency while I was away from home since I had dealt with injury before. So I had some prednisone that I could take that would automatically get rid of the inflammation even if the injury was still there with pain. Still, most any traveling freelancer should carry emergency medication with them in the event that they get injured. This saves a great deal of time, money, and stress. Once I had fully informed the director of the possible scenarios, it was his choice to wait or take me out of the shows. We agreed to wait. The hardest part about assessing an injury while nearing a performance period is staying calm. Most people's natural tendency is to keep testing their injured area to see if it, feel, if it is feeling well enough to perform, whether taking class or stretching into the injury. I really wanted to jump into class to see how much I could do when the medication started kicking in and relieving my pain, but I knew that I needed a few more days before I could test anything. Once I finished the medication and most of the inflammation had dissipated, I tested out my back with a few exercises at home. When I realized that twisting and bending was still causing me pain, even with my recovered mobility, I immediately messaged the director that I would need to pull out of the performances. I did this a day earlier than we agreed. I figured that the more time the company had, the more prepared my colleagues would be and the less stress would be added to their preparations. 
Freelance dancers unfortunately don't have the privilege of utilizing their employer's workers' comp if they get hurt on the job. Since most freelancers are independent contractors, the leadership of different dance companies have absolutely no responsibility to a dancer beyond paying them and other loose terms in their agreement, even if they contributed to them getting in injured. If a director doesn't provide a safe workplace and a dancer chooses to continue with that production, the dancer has to deal with the conditions, speak up in hopes of resolving their issues, or, in a last resort, quit the job. If, like me, a dancer does become injured, they are on their own and taking care of their health. As soon as I became injured, I had an appointment with the chiropractor I had found. I also started seeing an acupuncturist, getting massage, and using an e-stim or electrical stimulation unit that I was given by my physical therapist when I had pre previously been injured. While I knew I couldn't afford to pay for multiple treatments per week, I sucked it up and put nearly $300 on my credit card during the first week alone to try and get better. Not only was I losing money for therapy, but I was also in danger of losing money because I could no longer fulfill the terms of my contract. I knew that this would be a great financial stress for me, so I went ahead and asked the company if I could perform office work to continue getting paid. My flight didn't leave for another week after I stopped rehearsing, and if I couldn't pay for my therapy, I surely couldn't afford to pay to change my plane ticket. Also, if I was still in town, I might as well make myself useful. This is always a reasonable request to consider if you are hurt and have to remain on location. Luckily, the company agreed to let me do this, and I continued helping the organization by writing a blog, doing menial office work, and speaking at outreach events. While it was very helpful that the company was willing to do this for me, they had no responsibility to agree to it. Since returning home, I have taken nearly a month off with no physical activity for two weeks. I started incorporating gym exercises on week three and yoga on the fourth week. I have also maintained my therapy and am on a clear road to recovery, if hurting a bit in my pocketbook. Now that I am home and have spent the last month recovering, it is easier to look back and see where things went wrong. There were multiple factors that amounted in my getting injured. It is clear to me that prevention is the most important item I would like to address in this post. I did my best when I began to fear for the worst by pulling the director aside and speaking about my concerns. After a good conversation, unfortunately, the conditions only showed minor improvement. At that point, I had to make a decision. Do I quit the gig, or do I continue dancing in an environment that has a high risk for injury? For multiple reasons, I decided that quitting just wasn't the right decision. Once I did become injured, I handled the situation in a very thoughtful and respectful manner. While injuries are not always preventable, they can be greatly reduced by considering the conditions and procedures that dancers have to rehearse in. I call on all companies that hire freelancers to please think about the four factors I've mentioned above before hiring dancers as independent contractors. While you are hiring them to help raise your level of dancing, create something new, or to fill in gaps in your productions, please take into consideration that our health is extremely important to us and our survival is our body. If conditions are dangerous and a dancer gets injured, you have no obligation to them. If a freelance dancer gets hurt because of conditions that could have been prevented or thought out more carefully, they can't make a living, may struggle to pay and get care for a fast recovery, and may lose their dancing career altogether. I urge each and every employer to consider what I have written and to do their best to assure dancers who are independent contractors or any dancers a safe and respectful environment. So, that is my post from Life of a Freelance Dancer, and it's actually really interesting to, to go back on that and to read it, um, because 
I am now way away from that situation. It's been more than three years since that's happened. And I was writing this thinking that I was going to be returning to my career. But uh, unfortunately, due to the stress and the conditions that I had to deal with, it became my career-threatening injury. And so I don't think that it was just my career-threatening, or not threatening, but my career-ending injury because of the back injury. But there was a lot of emotional stress and a lot of emotional pain that I went through during that entire gig because of all of the conditions from the lack of housing um, to the studio situation and the moving around um, and the injury that caused my emotional injury. Uh, and the combination of the two of those are really what ended my career. So these things are, are extremely, extremely important to, to keep in mind. And I hope that people not only dancers will listen to this and go, oh, well, these are the things I need to keep in mind when I when I do freelancing type gigs or even in, in a company type situation, um, but also that directors and company, uh, people rehearsing companies and schools and all of that will also take these things into consideration. Um, Injury, like I said at the beginning of the, this post, injury is something that people don't like to talk about because I can't tell you how many times, um, I mean it's not a ton, but it's been a few times that I've gotten injured, which is very common, and in a back injury, which was my common injury, with a back injury, people don't look at it the same as an ankle injury. If you sprain your back three times, people go, ooh wow, this is a major problem that you're always dealing with. They don't see them as three separate occasions. Where somebody sprains their ankle three times, usually they go, oh, well, it's just another sprain. They don't see it as the same type of injury. So it's a very challenging thing to deal with when you put it out there that you've had an injury. So a lot of people will hide their injuries. They won't discuss it. Or you'll read in magazines about their amazing recovery, but you don't hear much during their recovery because they uh, don't want people to judge them. So... Let's keep this conversation going. Um, I've been following Dance Magazine a lot lately because they've been doing some great online content. Maybe you saw my article back in May that talked about my transition uh, super commuting from Philadelphia to New York. Um, and with all that new online content, they've been doing some really interesting stuff. They recently had an article about mental health, which I really appreciated. Um, and they've also had some more uh, articles on injury, kind of like what I, I did here. So... Uh, I, I, I'd like to keep this conversation going. Um, all right, so we are going to call it quits today for this podcast. Um, I'm curious exactly what you guys think because I, I get a lot of positive feedback when people like my posts. Um, but I don't always hear so much about what types of posts people like. It's usually just, oh, I love that post. So if you like uh, me referring to some of my, my former blog posts, like I said, I have almost 200, so I've got lots of content on there. Uh, please send me a message and let me know. And also, if you have your own story about your your own injury or if you're going through something right now and you need somebody to chat with, I am moving. <laughs> but if you want to reach out to me, I promise as soon as I get everything situated, I will get back to you. There are some people that have reached out to me and I haven't had a chance to get back to you yet. So I apologize, but it's a hectic, crazy time in my life from Hurricane Harvey to two weddings in the past. I had one last weekend, one this weekend, and then preparing for this move. It's just been a bit nuts. So please do not think that I'm ignoring you. Please feel free to reach out to me and I will get back to you as soon as I can. All right. 
So with that, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. You can find those on premierdancenetwork.com. That's P-R-E-M-I-E-R Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog that I've been talking about throughout this entire episode at Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I have been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have a YouTube channel that features my choreography, and you can find that on YouTube at B. Corollis. Thanks for listening in to Pod Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.